Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, and with me, as always, is uh, Caleb Jenks. And tonight, we're going to be talking about moral relativism. So that's going to be an exciting one to get into. So if you are listening to us for the first time on either Spotify or Google Play or whatever place you like to get your podcast, we would ask that you join us on Sunday nights for a live video starting at 7 p.m. Mountain Time or 8 p.m. Central. And you can find us on Facebook where we do those videos. Uh, you can search for us at, I think it's at Bible Thumper 1611 or hashtag Bible Thumper 1611 when you go to Facebook and you can find us there. And obviously, if you're watching us live on Facebook, we would ask that you would follow us on Spotify. We have, I mean, literally dozens and dozens and dozens of hours of content of two Craigslist level preachers explaining the Bible poorly. And we would encourage you to listen to that and uh, uh, share it around. Cause I'm sure uh, there are some people in your life who need the Bible dumbed down a little bit, you know, just need it explained like two poorly educated, um, you know, marginally illiterate, uh, preachers from different parts of the countries. And, and, and we can do that for you. We can provide that service. So please join us every Sunday night live <coughs> as we get into a variety of topics. We try to always make them controversial and therefore entertaining. If nothing else, we certainly have fun doing this and we hope that everyone will learn something. So with that, um, Caleb, also, the, if yeah, jump in. Yeah, if you need if you need somebody to do a promo for your business, uh, Patrick is available. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that his sales pitches are the are the best, but um, he'll give it a shot. So they're honest. So I've always been told that I have a great radio voice, and my mother told me that I have a face for radio. So I would be happy to lend my voice to any businesses. Uh, that think they could benefit from uh, the stardom uh, from the original Bible Thumper host. If, if you think that the face of Bible Thumper or the voice of Bible Thumper across this great land could help someone you love, please um, look us up. Send us a note. Caleb, why don't you jump in for a second as I am going to share this around. Well, I was going to say that could be a truth based off of your perspective as far as the face there, <laughs> but... I'm glad your mother likes your face. That's mm -hmm. that's good. At least you mm -hmm. have that going for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, how do we decide if Patrick's face is good looking? Is that a fact or is that all a matter of perception? And is everything that we know it only a matter of perception? So that's mm -hmm. what we're going to try to get to the bottom of tonight. Um, is there any such thing as absolute truth? Is there any such thing as absolute morals, uh, moral law, moral law giver? And is... Um, is that something that's important to understand? And uh, yeah, we'll get to, hopefully get to the bottom of this. It's something that's certainly under attack in uh, these these times. Uh, Postmodernism is probably a topic that we'll get on some other night. But uh, this is one of the the um, the gospel truths that's being preached by our society and by these postmodern times is that. Uh, is that there is no absolute facts there. You can't really know truth. Uh, there is only uh, 
relative moral, um, the only the only way that you can do good is based off of your perception of good and evil. And if you think something is good, then it's good for you, but it might not be good for me. And um, so then we have this other book called the Bible that seems to have a little different spin on this idea of morals. So uh, I guess um I made a post on Facebook this last week. I don't know. You probably don't see anything on Facebook now because I think you fled the Facebook bandwagon. For the yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much gone. I changed my name. I ended up, uh, you know, um, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, unfriending everybody. I, I literally have like six friends left on Facebook. Uh, you're one of them. Uh, I yeah, never I feel very it. fortunate. I yeah, and it's only for professional reasons. You know, it's really not very entertaining to, no. to be your friend these days. No, I don't post. You got to be totally honest. Yeah, I don't get into anything. I'm just, I'm pretty much, you know, I have vanished from it, which, which is fine with me. So, okay, so as far as moral relativism goes, a, a lot of folks may have never heard that term. Although I would imagine everyone has run into that idea. So the way I'm going to define it, and Caleb, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, uh, and, and if you're good with this definition, for tonight's discussion, we're going to define moral relativism as no universal or absolute set of moral principles, uh, which means, right. or what that leads us to, is the idea that moral standards are defined culturally. So moral standards can change over time and over borders. So it's all cultural. So what's right for you might not be right for me. And what's right in Iran might not be right in Australia. Okay, so that's the idea of moral relativism. What do you think of that, Caleb? That makes it pretty easy. to. Yeah, learn. that's that. Oh, yeah. Well, it's very convenient. And of course, that's that's one way that it's applied, but it's applied in it, not just uh, geographical area, uh, but in any situation. So you you could be in a situation where you um, where you decide that you feel like um, you as a person, a humanist, a atheist, a um, a decent just a decent human being that likes to be a good person all around, just a good guy. You decide that this week there's nothing wrong with you going out and um, you go ahead and just picking up a bag of groceries from the grocery store and walking out the door with it. There's nothing there wrong with go. that in, in your book. Mm -hmm. And somebody says, stop, somebody stops you at the door and says, Oh, you're, you can't steal that stuff. You didn't pay. And you're like, Oh no, I just decided that, uh, that I want to do this. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately for you, that's one place where there is a law that everybody agrees on. That the law of the land states that you have to pay for your goods before you walk out the door, because there is such a thing as a as a law that defines um, stealing. However, if if it goes if it goes to a different area where you decide that there's nothing wrong with you going ahead and jumping in bed with your with your neighbor, even though you're a married man, and um, you just for some reason decide this week that your neighbor looks like more fun than your wife and you decide to jump in bed with her and you decide that there's nothing wrong with that based off of your morals. And there's plenty of people that do that and have morally justified it because that's just what they're in the mood to do. Um, is there, are you going to, is there any consequences? Well, immediately there may or may not be, if you don't get caught, there probably isn't. There's no law that says you can't do that in the land. You're not going to get arrested for cheating on your wife. Um, it's not, it, it's really not okay 
um, society doesn't wait widely whoa, accept that is whoa 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 why is it not okay Caleb why is it not okay I it's still not it's it, it exactly but it's still not totally socially acceptable in some circles right I mean maybe there's not. still maybe not right. but let's face it lots of things we do are not socially acceptable I personally am offended every time someone drinks decaffeinated coffee but I shut my mouth about it okay which is okay. what I would suggest you do about me it's sleeping with my cheap. neighbor Okay. By, my, by the way, Caleb, I don't like that that idea, okay? My neighbor is an old man in a wheelchair, and I don't like the analogy. I don't like the picture wait, you just painted. I think wait, it's you have an, wildly you, wait, you're Wait, so you're telling me that you have a problem with you having uh, jumping in bed with, a, with an old man in a wheelchair? Is this yeah. something like you're anti-gay yeah. now, too? Well, <laughs> Caleb, it's my prerogative, okay? In the culture that I grew up in, we had no problem. Okay, so, so in other words, you jumping in, you jumping in bed with the the neighbor if she was a woman, mm -hmm. you would be totally okay with that. But in your case of morality, jumping in bed with the, the neighbor if he's an old guy in a wheelchair, there's something wrong with that. I, you know, now you're making it sound like I'm the bad guy. Okay, and I don't <laughs> know how to say this, but yeah, I'd be a little more okay with it. Does that make me a weirdo? <laughs> Well, I, assuming you're playing the devil's advocate, <laughs> advocate there. So, yeah, that's that's where it becomes this this weird thing where depending on your circle and depending on your opinion of things, something can be morally okay or morally acceptable based off mm -hmm. of your opinion. Mm -hmm. And there isn't necessarily any definite thing that says, oh, no, that's morally wrong, morally unacceptable. It's illegal. There's not a moral law. And that's that's really where we come down to is, is do you accept that there is an absolute moral law? And obviously it's hard to accept that there's a moral law if you don't acknowledge God. And, and there's a, a large percentage of society that does not even ignore, acknowledge God, which would be the moral law giver. If you don't have God, then something else has to establish morals, which would be like Patrick said, geographically defined by culture and yeah. what is socially accepted. Societal so, norms would be societal convention is going to decide what's right and wrong. So if you think about it, <clears throat> There are no objective grounds for preferring the moral values of one culture over another. So let and and honestly, what Caleb, you know, brought up as far let's let's just talk about the idea of let's say, you know, uh polygamy, having uh multiple wives. Okay. Um, that idea, which has gone on throughout, you know, the thousands and thousands of years of Earth's history, you know, that we've read about, and it talks about it in the Bible and condemns it there. So <clears throat> in one culture, it's okay. In our culture today, it is not. So who's to say who is right or wrong? So we have no objective grounds for preferring the moral values of our culture versus another one. This is true if, as Caleb said, we believe morals come from mankind. Therefore, all societies should accept each other's differing moral values, given that there are no universal moral principles. So really what we're saying, and Caleb, tell me what you think of this. What we're attacking is a foundation. We're saying there is no common foundation for all of mankind. Is that what we're talking about? Exactly. Yeah. So more, if, it, if everything is moral, rel morally relative to a situation, to a culture, to a time and a place, to a personal preference, 
and and for some people this may seem like it's a far-fetched idea or that 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 this is that this isn't really practical practically applicable in your life but the um the well there's some there's uh, some real good examples of this playing out around us in in our society and one issue that is it's hotly debated right now in our society is abortion yeah. where it's um where there's a, a large per- percentage of the population that has been exposed to this argument, this moral argument that's being made in our country, in our culture, where you have some people saying there's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And there's other people that are making a big stink about it and saying, Oh, you can't, you can't abort your babies. And, and people are like, why are you so stuck up? And why do, why can't you just keep that to yourself? And so it's become this back and forth. It's played out in the public eye, pretty, pretty spectacular. Everybody's been exposed to it in some way or another. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a good example of, of a situation where there's a percentage of population that based off of their explanation of, of right and wrong, they believe that it's morally expedient to make it readily available for people to have abortions. They actually believe that they have taken the moral high ground and mm-hmm. that they're the ones that are right and that we are wrong by, by taking a woman's right to choose away from her and mm-hmm. forcing her to carry to full term a baby that, that she doesn't want to have. And so they, they believe that they are taking the moral high ground on this, on this argument. Well, how can you, how can you sort of mar- an argument like that out? If there is no, if there is no absolute moral law, then how can they, my, my, the thing that's so, so crazy about it is that if you first reject an absolute moral law, then you can't then try to argue that you've taken the right position because there's no such thing as right and wrong. Okay. So let's talk about that for a second, because that's right. funny. The, so the, the idea of moral relativism follows a couple of rules and these rules are self refuting. And let's see if you can figure out how this works. Okay. So Caleb, <clears throat> there is no such thing as truth. Do you have a problem with that? Yes. Okay. So what's the question you want to ask me or, or, or what's the problem that you have with that? So if there's no such thing as truth, then how do you know that that's true? Boom. If that's true, how so? Right. There it is. Okay. So the, there's, a pro, there, the, there's a faulty premise in the statement. Okay. Nothing we know can be objectively true. Well, is that statement true or false? Because right. we are saying that that state, we believe that that statement is true. And that's how we're starting off the idea that there can be no foundational principles. Well, you know, the statement we just made is what we're basing all of our principles on. So, Caleb, have you ever heard the first, and, and to give you an idea, folks, you know that you're running into someone that believes in moral relativism when they say things like, ah, to each his own. Right. Who, who am I to judge? Or the one that makes Which me is, throw up in my mouth every time, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Have you ever heard right. a Christian say that? Oh, yeah. And worse. <laughs> Nothing infuriates me more than when Christians call on the logic of paganism to justify their positions. Well, when in Rome. Do you know what they did in Rome? I mean, for crying right. out loud, it's so ridiculous. Okay, but that's the idea. That's the philosophy of a moral relativist is that idea that, okay, here's another one. Ready for this? The idea of, well, that's your truth, Caleb. Right. That's true for you, but not true for me. You ever hear that? Oh, yeah. And I've heard it put way nicer. (laughs) 
I've put it, I've heard it put very, uh, very nicely by, by Christians that are promoting their, um, their view on life in, uh-huh. in a non-controversial way of trying to say, well, I see it this way, but that's just my opinion. And I, I believe you can believe however you want to believe. And I'm like, mm-hmm. don't say that. Yep. You just ruined yourself. You just basically crippled yourself, broke your backbone, and you no longer stand to fight in the kingdom because you've mm-hmm. just taken your position and said, I'm not standing for God. I'm standing for me and my opinion. And quite frankly, I'm sorry, but with all due respect, I don't care about my opinion or your opinion. None of yeah. our opinions matter. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. has a different opinion. There's sure. billions of different opinions out there. And they like don't armpits. matter. When you die, <laughs> everyone's got that? a couple. They're like armpits. Everyone's got a couple and they all think. <laughs> Exactly. When you die, your opinion is going to go to the grave with you and nobody gives yep. a rip about your opinion. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's it. not even going to make it onto your headstone. <laughs> yeah. God never asked me for my opinion. Not one time. OK, and there's and there's a reason. Now, keep in mind, Caleb and I are coming from this idea of moral relativism from a different angle. We are coming from a position of what we would call moral absolutism. And 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 they're on opposite sides of the spectrum. See, we believe that there are moral absolutes and neither Caleb nor I have the right to argue with these. And we believe that we find these in the Bible. Can I go to the Bible for a couple verses, Caleb? Oh yeah. Okay. So let's start with this one. John 17, 17. This is Jesus speaking. Sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Actually, I'm not sure if that's Jesus speaking. That might be the Lord speaking to him. I got another one um, about Jesus where he was speaking, if you want to hear this one. Okay. <clears throat> and this is probably, and you tell me, Caleb, is this one of the most controversial ideas in Christianity? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Is that a controversial idea in Christianity nowadays? Or in the world, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't, it be. shouldn't be, but it certainly is. It absolutely is. People don't like the idea that we are so narrow-minded. But I'm going to tell you something, Caleb. And I heard this from a preacher this last week. Okay, it's okay Joel to Osteen. be no, <laughs> no, it was not. It's okay to be narrow-minded when you're right. Right. And when you hear Caleb or Patrick quote the Bible, guess what? We're right. Because we're not giving you our ideas. We're giving you God's word, the words of God. So Jesus is the truth. Okay. What Jesus says is the truth. Okay. Now I'll give you another one to go along these lines, just because I don't feel like we always get enough Bible in our Bible Thumper podcast. So I'm going to give you another one. Okay, and this is one of my favorite ones of all time. It was one of the first uh, verses that I memorized. Second Timothy three sixteen. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for the inst- for instruction in righteousness. Okay, so we read that the Word of the Lord, the Word of God, the Bible, it is true. It is perfect, and our job is to read it and learn it because it is the way that we learn doctrine and the way we correct our lives to figure out where I'm wrong and where I need to change course. So just wanted to get a couple Bible verses in before we got too far off. 
And that John, that reference in John uh, 17 was Jesus. Uh, that was him praying to the Father when oh, through the whole, okay. the, the whole chapter there. there so that go. was Jesus' words there. Yeah. So um, there's a, a verse here that this speaks a little bit about the situation. So this this moral relativism is not it's not a new thing. Of course, it mm-hmm. is a it is a, certainly a recent attack that's very popular and prevalent in our day. And there's been times in the recent past where there was a wider acceptance of truth being objective and truth being absolute and that there actually was a moral law. In fact, if you even look back at earlier uh, dictionaries um, and definitions, oftentimes they gave biblical references. There was a time we, we mentioned this last week on the podcast, there was a time that, um, there was expressions in the old Testament where rather than somebody saying, Oh yeah, well, you know, if grass is green, then this still works. Or if the sky is still blue, you know, to to kind of like make a statement about something that's widely accepted as truth in the old Testament, they would say as surely as the Lord liveth, that was Mm -hmm. the most sure thing that they acknowledged at that time. And so there has been times in our recent um, history where, there was a wide acceptance of truth as being something that was absolute, but it's, it has not, this is not a new struggle. So Romans chapter eight, um, verse six, I'll read six and seven, I guess for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. And then verse eight says, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And it goes on to talk about walking in the spirit. So it's the idea that the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. And so uh, this is this is a problem when you have this humanist view of of society where um, right and wrong is determined by opinion. It's determined by evolution. It's determined by um, culture. Mm -hmm. We've we've rendered ourselves slaves to the carnal mind which is not subject to god and that it says that it is death to be mm-hmm. carnally minded is death and we see that around us you see how how people um make really stupid decisions based off of their of their uh, their view that that there is no moral law and it does lead to death can i uh, so, can i jump uh, in here real quick yeah our, our currently we're up to like 20 folks watching hey if if this is a new uh channel for you please just be sure to like the video and like the page and subscribe so that you can follow us along and you'll see whenever a new video is going to come up and then also jump on spotify and google play and watch our podcast just look us up under bible thumper um <clears throat> so we were we one thing that i feel like uh needs to be said is this idea that truth, the truth has no agenda. Did you know that? The truth is not trying to push any agenda. The truth is simply facts that are observed. The whole idea of education was supposed to be the pursuit of truth. And nowadays, uh, people are asking the question, well, whose truth? Is it your truth? Is it my truth? Okay, and the fact is there's no such thing as your truth. Uh, one of the most foolish women in all the world made that famous quote so many years ago about how people need to speak their truth, and it's like the greatest thing you can do, and that, and that fool's name is Oprah Winfrey, 
And although we might lose a whole lot of people, uh, you know, watching us because of that, uh, that's fine. That's okay. Uh, you, can, you can go turn on Oprah again. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. She'll always be there, you know? Um, and uh, she's just, you know, one more loudmouth idiot who does not understand the Bible or know who God is and constantly contradicts the Bible and leads people down foolish roads. Um, <clears throat> okay. So there's no such thing as your truth or my truth. There is only the truth. That's it. That's all there's ever going to be. There is the truth. And the Lord Jesus said that it is the word of God that is truth. That's where we find it. So <clears throat> we run into some problems with moral relativism. And we run into these problems because we're trying to support various ideas that are different. So in order to accept moral relativism, it requires the denial of reality and the acceptance of obvious contradictions. You have to be okay with two differing opinions and calling them both true. So my favorite thing, my absolute favorite thing about uh, modern day American liberalism is when I listen to people make arguments out of both sides of their mouth. So whenever there's a problem with, let's say, the nation of Islam, okay, with, I'm not going to call it the... It, it, uh, the Islamic religion. You ever hear, Caleb, whenever you hear a spokesperson for Islam talk about their religion, do you know the first thing they say every single time, literally every single time? They say Islam is the religion. Is a religion of peace. of peace. Okay. Right. Do you know that that's two lies? That's two lies. Right. Okay. It's Islam not a religion. Not and a it's religion, not peaceful. And it's not peaceful. Okay. So whenever something and happens, I don't think that I'm going to go out on a limb yeah, here and go ahead yeah, and make some people mad. I don't think that 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 that, uh, that something that is not truly a religion that's should for, be classified that's for under fellow Louis. That's for you, buddy. Go okay. ahead. But I don't think that that should be classified under the, uh, being protected for religious liberty in this country. If you're a terrorist sure. organization, it's. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that all Muslims are active terrorists, but there are. Sure. There are certainly a only lot the of obedient that don't ones. Denounce it. Yeah, just right? the obedient. Only the ones that actually obey the book. You got it. Yeah, you show me a peaceful, uh, peaceful uh, Muslim, and I'll show you a disobedient one. Okay, because I own the right. book. I've read the book. Don't tell me. Okay, so, so whenever there's a problem with the nation of Islam here in America, I hear liberals coming to the aid of how, oh, these people are the greatest and they, you know, it's a religion of peace and we need to be tolerant and tolerant this and tolerant that and tolerance everything. Okay. But then you also have the situation when anything, okay, is spoken up, spoken out against homosexuality. Right and now, then, I just happen to be—I yeah. just happen to be sharing this into a Christian and Muslims discussion group on Facebook oh, that I'm a part of. So good. anyway, I just thought I'd let you know this is this, this will okay, go, so, go over good there. So then you have you have 
you have anything that comes up against homosexuality and they're like, oh, we got to be tolerant, tolerant, tolerant of the homosexuals. And there's nothing wrong with homosexuality and we got to celebrate it. And it's great. And everything's <laughs> wonderful. Right. And then you get into uh, any time um, a, a woman is treated differently in America. Oh, we got to stop the terrible treatment against women and 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 everyone is equal and and there can't be anything bad against women i'm like have you ever been to the middle east have you ever been to the middle east how You're on at, earth yeah. can you support women out of one side of your mouth and islam out of the other side of your mouth how is that well, possible? Well, because they're both supposedly, according to our society right now, they're both oppressed groups. Women sure. and Muslims are both oppressed groups. So you have, to, you have to support both of them. <laughs> but the problem is Muslims also are oppressing women. Are the ones oppressing the other. Okay. Right. So it, you cannot go. I mean, in the, when you look at the, the, the horrible oppression of women in uh, the Middle East in all Islamic countries, I mean, it is absolutely insane. In Saudi Arabia, in a court, the testimony of one man equals the testimony of two women. Okay. Uh, women will be publicly beaten by government officials if they don't meet certain standards of dress. That has happened all over the Middle East. Um, women are given away in marriage as young as 12 years old and cannot obtain a divorce without the permission of guess who their husbands, even if, if it is found. And then if be, they don't submit to their husband that they were married mm -hmm. off to by force at 12 years old, they yep. get their father will come and do an honor killing and their brother. Okay. Honor killings, Caleb, as many as 5,000 happen just in the nation of Pakistan every year. And that's where women are murdered uh, for uh, um, for dishonoring their family. And it's carried out by family members because they dared to uh, do anything uh, that contradicted this religion of, what was it? Peace. peace? Yeah. Right. They, Islam is the religion of pieces because they are happy to <laughs> cut everyone into pieces. Okay. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, in Iran, uh, uh, homosexuals are thrown off buildings and hung in the city square as punishment for being homosexual. If you're simply it teaches found them not, out. It's te it, it teaches them not to be so homosexual. Yeah. Okay. Caleb, do you know? It has a hundred percent success rate. Yeah. Do you know that uh, in Iraq, a man is allowed to have sex with his wife for up to 12 hours after she dies? Caleb, I don't like that look of you, judgment on you your were... face. That is culturally <laughs> insensitive. You were um, you were um, mimicking a barf on your end of the thing a few minutes ago. Yeah, I think now would be a time that it was more that yeah. it was more uh, culturally acceptable to do that. Yeah. Anyway, oh, so man. The, the problem is this idea of moral relative. And I've run into people all the time with this. OK, I'm like, is what they're doing wrong is 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 having a secret police that marches through the streets and beats women publicly with sticks for not dressing appropriately. Is that wrong? And the liberal doesn't want to answer that question. The moral relativists they don't want to answer that question because they know the problem that they're being set up for. Okay. If they're, if it is wrong, tell me why. Right.
and they don't want to get into it. They'll, they want to say, well, that's their culture. Okay, so let's say you move there or they move here. At some point, it's going to butt heads with one another. When is it right? Oh, yeah. When is it wrong? And we've had that. We've had plenty of honor killings here in the U.S. on U.S. Oh, yeah. soil. Yep, it happens. It's happened right here in Texas. We've had yep. it. That's why I wish that they would not classify them and give them um, religious freedom if they're going to support uh, terrorism and honor killings and Sharia law yeah, on our I mean, soil. It, I, there's no reason that our that our constitution, sh uh, the the founding fathers would have never wanted the constitution to be protecting terrorist groups sure. under religious liberty issue. But of course, that's where we're at. So the the classic example that we come up to okay i mean i hate to tell you but it's just it's used to death but there's a reason it's the most significant or one of the most significant events in modern history and that is the national socialist party okay they were in germany they were also called the nazis nazis okay national socialist and what they decided was that there are certain groups of people that did not deserve medical care anymore. Did you know that? And then they passed laws stating that these groups did not deserve medical care anymore. And these groups ended up being children born with deformities, children that were born that had some form of uh, mental retardation uh, from uh, uh, some disease or condition from birth, uh, they ended up, do you know the first people that were killed under the Nazi regime? They were children, they were in hospitals, and the executions were carried out by doctors. Okay, They would have gas trucks back right up to the hospital bay doors where they would bring in and out the laundry, and they would roll old people in wheelchairs right into the trucks, mobile gas trucks, and they would gas them, and then they would open, roll up the doors, and they would wheel out the dead bodies. Okay, It was started by doctors. Now, today, that's horrifying, right? I mean, would we agree that's horrifying by you know any standard? Not everybody. Yeah, not, not everybody. everybody. If you're in hey, Washington, that's becoming legal. But the, the problem is, and keep in mind, they passed laws. What was the outcry of all of the Nazi war criminals when they were arrested? When they were standing trial in Nuremberg, what was their defense? They only had one. Their defense was, we didn't break any laws. We were just following orders. That's what they said. So in 1939, the German Supreme Court ruled and said that Jews are no longer people in the legal sense. They are now considered animals, so you can do whatever you want to them. You can treat them just like animals. And that's exactly what happened. And, and people say, oh, well, that's a ridiculous example. And that, oh, how could you ever? Okay. It is no different. Where do you think moral relativism ends up? Moral relativism. Yeah, that's the logical confusion. Conclusion is, is, concentration camps gas chambers no... and death panels yeah okay that that's what happens when we don't have a standard so for guys like us the standard is the word of god now caleb i want to go off on a long monologue here so i want to have give you a chance to jump in because i had an idea that i wanted to bring up and i wanted to see what you thought about it um i was discussing it with a friend of mine today but i don't want to I don't want to take over oh, right. here. Do you have any so, feelings on what we've yeah, been there discussing? Was a couple, there was a couple, th a couple things, and now I'm I'm at a I'm at a loss. Um, so you had mentioned 
the idea that there are some things that are controversial, like Jesus being the way, the truth, and the light, and that, yep. that shouldn't that really shouldn't be a controversial issue. Not for Christians but here, right? It should not. But you have plenty of uh, Christian leaders. Mm-hmm. Um, you have pastors who are unwilling to take a stand like that and and acknowledge that there is truth and and part of this problem i think is be, has come from an issue where pastors and church leaders and many christians have inserted their opinion in place of god's word for way too long so when you get somebody like joel osteen or some of these um you know, even Billy Graham at one point got st- stumbled up with this on TV where somebody asked him, so do you believe that Jesus is the only way for salvation mm-hmm. and that, and that, that if you don't want to go to hell, that you have to be saved by Jesus. And, and many of these church leaders have stumbled into saying, well, I believe there's many paths to God and maybe Muslims can be in heaven and maybe Christians can be in heaven. And it's like, all right, we're, we're, we should never be in a position where when somebody asks, what, what do you think? Do you mm-hmm. think that, like, if I ask Patrick, do you think that somebody else can go to he- can go to heaven without being saved through Jesus? Well, his op- his opinion, I mean, automatically as Christians, we should we should remove ourselves from the equation right away and realize, do not take my opinion as truth. My opinion doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so when somebody asks me a question, I oftentimes that's the first thing that I try to do is remove myself from the situation and and look at it from God's perspective and, and realize I don't need to answer this with my my opinion. And oftentimes I've found that it's helpful to realize that um, and and oftentimes to put the put the uh, the, sh- the the load or the weight on Jesus's shoulders, because oftentimes people think of Jesus as the nice guy, the good guy. Mm-hmm. So when, when I say, Hey, if you have an issue with this, don't take issue with me, <laughs> take issue with Jesus. This is his words. You know, I'm quoting, I'm quoting straight from Jesus's words here. When he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the father, but by me, that's not my opinion. I'm not the one that came up with this. This is Jesus mm-hmm. saying this. And so I'm just representative of his truth in this way. So when, when, when you've replaced truth as being something that's absolute and that morals are based off of an absolute moral law when you replace that with my opinion and many pastors do this if you watch a lot of sermons oftentimes it's focused primarily around their view of society their view of right and wrong based mm-hmm. and rather than removing themselves from it and, and and just preaching god's word which isn't as interesting it's you can make it a lot more can be a lot more charismatic and a lot more interesting if you if you come up with your version of the truth you repackage the truth your way and then you sell that truth but then the problem becomes you have people that are actually supposed to be standing for truth that are attacking truth. They're attacking Christianity, pastors and preachers and church leaders that are attacking truth by saying, no, Jesus isn't necessarily the only way. Maybe Jesus is one of the good ways. Maybe he's the best way, but there's also other ways. And maybe you can get to heaven, you know, if you take the back door, maybe, you know, maybe um, anybody can, you know, maybe an atheist, if they were a good atheist, could go to heaven. <laughs> It's like, no, that's not what the Bible says. And so this is this is the sticky situation you get into. As soon as you delve off of, of realizing, like Patrick said, um, some people don't like people like Patrick and I that look at truth as being black and white, right and wrong, absolute morals. Um, but if, as soon as you separate yourself from that, even a little bit, and you insert your opinion, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're not speaking for God anymore. You're just speaking for yourself. It's just mm-hmm. your opinion. So it really is worthless. So anyway, um, what was... What, you had something else you wanted to say? Well, um, the when when you gave that hypothetical question, you know, what do I think about 
you know, everyone making it to heaven and Jesus not being the only way. Really, the, the best answer for me is, well, I try not to think. Okay? I try to just read the book and, and believe what it says. And what's funny is, and I, I have a pastor friend of mine in town, and, and he told me, you know, he's like, um, he said, he said, Patrick, the most frustrating thing in the world is, is when someone invites me over to talk and they have questions about the Bible and they have questions about how they should be living their life. And, and I give them verses and verses and verses, and we're talking about the Bible and I'm giving verses and verses and verses. And he says, 45 minutes later, they finish the conversation with, well, that's what you think you know, or that's your interpretation of it. And it's like, all I did was read you what the Bible said. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes on to the Father but by me. That's not my interpretation, okay? That's what Jesus said. Any 10-year-old can read that and understand what he said. We don't need to try to, that's not one of the verses where it's like, oh, we got to try to figure out what this means, you know? Get out the dictionary. We're going to have to research this one. Uh, you know, the, the Bible was written for everybody. Okay. It, it is simple enough for very uneducated, simple people with a very small vocabulary to be able to understand. <clears throat> the Bible is amazing. It's also able to confound and stump and bewilder the most educated man. Okay, with the most training, it, it's absolutely stunning uh, what that book is. Okay, so I wanted to give you uh, an idea because this idea of moral relativism, Caleb, why do you think Christians end up being moral relativists? What do you think? I, I would say it comes from an idea that being good is also being loving and kind and that you don't want um there's definitely that's i, I would say truth to to many current young christians is more about jesus's love and so i should just be love and i, I should love you no matter what mm -hmm. and so i'm going to i'm going to put truth aside in order to accept you for who you are, what you believe. And, and so we can all just, you know, you, you believe your truth. I believe my truth. So to me, I would say it would be in the, in the idea of inclusivity and being, being the good, nice guy. People are trying to get around what the Bible says, because what the Bible says is uncomfortable and difficult. Right. Okay, so I want to give, I want to give you an idea here. Okay, and tell me if I'm just crazy. And this, this, we might be getting off into the weeds here, but this is something that I was talking to a buddy about uh, today. So most Christians think they are obedient. Okay. And Proverbs 16, 2, I've put this up a couple times. All the ways of man are clean in his own eyes. Most Christians think that they are obedient Christians. And they obey the word of God and they obey God. But did you know, Caleb, that obedience really counts when we disagree with God? Right. See, me yeah, doing what we... God says when I agree with it and would do it anyhow, I'm not really getting a big spiritual high five from yeah. God. You don't, you don't really applaud your child when you say, make sure you eat your whole, your whole sucker there and make eat sure you eat your ice, ice cream. cream. You got it. Okay. Right. And, that's and then exactly, they do it and you're like, oh, good job, yep, obey Wow, me. look at that. Yeah. When I tell my kids, all right, get in the truck, we're going for ice cream and they run and get their shoes on and jump right in the truck and get buckled up. I don't think that my kids are being wildly obedient. 
Okay. Right. Really, the test is when I am telling them to do things they don't want to do. And that's the same with submission. That's the same with loyalty. Loyalty is only loyalty when it's tested. Okay. Obedience is only obedience when it's tested. When God commands me to do something that I really don't want to do, that's when it comes down to, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? And my point with all this is that a great number of Christians are really never obedient to God because they only do what God says when it lines up with what they wanted to do anyhow. The idea that someone does not steal doesn't mean they're being obedient to God and they're obeying one of the Ten Commandments. What it might mean is that they are scared of the ramifications of being caught stealing. So they don't want to steal. They don't want to take that chance because they don't want to get caught. They don't want to get you know, in trouble with law enforcement and have to go to court and pay a fine or go to jail or whatever. So they don't steal. Now, God happened to say not to steal, but that's not why I'm not doing it. Okay. But when God tells us to do something that we really don't like, that we really disagree with, <clears throat> all of a sudden, now we're going to find out. This is where the rubber meets the road. Am I an obedient Christian or not? And unfortunately, so many people use that moral relativism idea to get around anything in the Bible that God says that they disagree with. Oh, well, that was just for that time. Oh, well, that was that was culturally relevant. That's just for those people. You know, God doesn't want me to do that. That was just for the people back in those days. I've heard so many ideas about cultural relativism. Why do you think we have women pastors nowadays? Why do you think we have homosexual pastors nowadays? Why do you think that there are so many problems and messes in the world nowadays? Why do you think that Christian pastors counsel their people through divorces? Okay, why do you think that so many uh, women in churches get abortions? It's because they have figured out a way to write off what the Bible has said, the clear and plain teaching of the Word of God, and that is moral relativism. And what I believe, just so we're clear, is that the Bible is a book written by God. It is not a book about God. It is a book written by God, and that book transcends culture. It transcends language. It transcends gender. It transcends time. So it is just as applicable for Abraham in the days of Moses. It is just as applicable in the days of David, in the days of our Lord Jesus. It is just as applicable for the first generation church. It is just as applicable for Patrick Hayes and Caleb Jenks today living in America in this beautiful state of Western Colorado and that other place somewhere down South where, you know, it's 10,000 degrees. Hopefully soon it sounds down South have, of the border once we and succeed. They, and they have wild pigs tearing through the countryside, destroying everything. So that's yeah, so my there idea. Was... Tell me what you think. Tell me if I'm crazy oh, no. with that idea. Yeah. So that's, uh that's a very important thing to understand and to make sure that um, I, I have to remind myself of that quite often too, is that I don't just pick up the Bible and read it because um, it's a good book. 
I don't read it because it's my favorite book. I read it because it's the only book that I have that's from God. And if mm-hmm. it was just a book about God, my bookshelves have plenty of other books about God on them. I could go to the bookstores and buy thousands of books written about God that none of them hold any authority unless they quote the Bible. That's the only mm-hmm. authority that any of them have is if they're actually quoting God's word. Um, so you mentioned the the argument that was given by the by the Nazis during their trials um, after World War II. Yep. And so uh, one of the one of the uh, and I don't know if you've run across this quote or not, but it, it reminded me of it when you said that. So I just looked it up. So there was a, a chief counsel for the United States, which his name was Robert Jackson. And he made the argument that there was a law above the law. And mm-hmm. he said that that there had to be some law that determines right and wrong above the law, above the Nazi law. Mm-hmm. And that was the argument that was used to convict and actually convict to, to death. And many of, uh, of the Nazis were executed based off of the fact that no matter what the Nazi law that they were operating under said, that mm-hmm. there is a law above the law that says that there is something evil about what was going on. And it was widely accepted at the time that this was even a, a good legal argument to make and convict and execute you know, war criminals based off the fact that they had violated a moral law that was that everybody understood that there was such a thing as a moral law that determined right and wrong above the Nazi law. And obviously that is, is a very remarkable, uh, I don't, I don't know that that would go over today um, in our society. Sure. Now. I don't know if they would make the yeah. same determination because God has been attacked so much um, in our society and even in the legal system that they've rejected God. But at the time that was, um, that was a very good argument. Um, what, what is what is the implication though for just your your average everyday joe christian mm-hmm. of course i brought up abortion which a, a lot of people this may never affect you personally you may you may be sure. pro life or you may not yeah. you may not ever be in that position but the implication of something like this is is it reaches into a lot of aspects and areas of our life, even as a Christian and even in our church life and in how we obey God and follow him in simple matters, as far as just opening the Bible, believing it, reading it and choosing to obey God. Um, so I was thinking of for, for an atheist and we should, it would have been cool to have an atheist on here tonight just to, so that, so we didn't have to try to like, have an out-of-body experience trying to imagine what it's like to to be on the other side of the argument mm-hmm. um but for for an atheist um oftentimes they will they will try to argue that the idea of christianity is 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 incompatible with their view on life because they they would feel that god somehow is is not just enough for them. So mm-hmm. God has, there's been injustices in the Bible. And so they'll use these, these times where God was, they believe that God did the wrong thing morally. And they'll say, well, how could he have committed genocide in the old Testament, you know, wiped mm-hmm. out a whole nation. And um, so certainly, you know, God could not be a loving, good God. And, and Patrick, you mentioned the idea of, you know, of saying that, uh, you know, how there there's this conundrum where, where they say, well, they believe that their position is right. And it's like, well, how do you know that that's right? Unless there mm-hmm. is something that is right. So, um, 
it's the idea of having to borrow from God in order to disprove God. So you have to borrow from God's moral law and say, well, it's wrong for God to do this or it's wrong for God to do that. Um, so an uh, a intelligent atheist would never would never do that. An intelligent atheist would realize that the logical conclusion of his of his argument is that he's actually acknowledging that there is such a thing as right and wrong and that there is mm -hmm. a moral law. And so that he's trying to disprove God by borrowing from God's moral law. But um, some of them will try, like you said, not to put themselves in that corner. And so they'll say, oh, well, yeah, it's just, a, you know, it's something that evolution has put in us as a survival instinct. We've learned to be nice to each other, you know, in order to not kill our own. Um, but they will say, you know, that there's there's almost always a point that you can get them to where they will say, oh, well, they wouldn't cross, you know, they wouldn't cross that line. Like maybe they would say, oh, yeah, well, if, you know, if somebody decides that they want to go kill somebody, well, I guess that's up to them. You know, maybe it's some societies, they believe that that's okay. Here in America, our society has decided that we don't think that that's beneficial to us, but maybe it is beneficial in some other places. Maybe it would reduce earth population and we'd end up being more sustainable overall. And so they'll make these arguments, but if you pin them down far enough mm -hmm. and put them into a grotesque enough situation, sure. oftentimes you will say, well, so would you yourself kill a baby and eat it? Mm -hmm. And they'll be like, well, of course not. You know, I wouldn't mm -hmm. do that. It's like, well, why not? You know, sure. if there is no such thing as right and wrong, if there's not a moral law and it's just your your opinion, if you decided you're in the mood to do that today and you don't think there's anything wrong with it, then why not do it? Mm -hmm. And and oftentimes they realize and, and it, it, it it becomes clear that if you take that that theology to its moral or to its to, to its logical, logical conclusion, conclusion, you end up in a you end up in in pure malevolent evil situations where there is no there is no moral law. Um, and so as soon as my, my theory with it is that as soon as you stray one step on the other side mm -hmm. of acknowledging God as the determined determining factor of right and wrong, as soon as you stray beyond that, you can be a very good person. Mm -hmm. But as soon as you step one step over that line and you say, God is not God and there is no moral law and I'm going to determine right and wrong based off of my opinion or off of my culture, then you mm -hmm. end up in extremely dangerous, slippery slope, and you can end up absolutely anywhere. And Christians are not exempt from this. There are grotesque, horrible crimes committed by Christians that cross mm -hmm. this line and, you know, do, do terrible things. There's a, there's a, a example of this in, in the old Testament. These were the children of Israel in a, in a time where they had walked with God. God had brought them through. He'd given them Kings. He had appointed judges over them. And um, if you look in judges uh, chapter 17 and let's go to verse six, it says in, in those days, there was no King in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And this is pretty go. common. This Done. is pretty common. This happened over and over again um, where, where they quit following God and everyone just did whatever he thought was right in his own eyes. That is moral relativism. If you do mm -hmm. what is right in your own eyes, yeah. it will lead to, and if you, if you, if you read these instances where this happens in the Bible, it never turns out great. It never turns out really good. It's like pretty soon God is mad and he's and he's opening the earth up and it's swallowing yep. people and he's telling them to, you know, to, to round up whole families and kill them. And it's it's not a great scenario when we choose to do what's right in our own eyes because it's not right. It doesn't matter how much our eyes think it's right. Our eyes do not determine what is right and wrong. You were going to say something. Well, you know what's interesting? And, the, and I wanted to read this verse. I'm going to put it up on the screen here. Um, 
If thou shalt hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which are written in this book of the law, and if thou turn unto the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul. Okay, and we read that again in uh, the book of Romans, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness. So this idea of God writing the law in our hearts is a testimony that there is a God. When you start asking those questions like you pose to the atheist, well, why isn't it okay to steal something if I need it? Well, why isn't it okay to steal all the time instead of working? Okay. <clears throat> when you get to a certain point, as you said, the atheist, the agnostic, the moral relativist is going to have a problem with some act when it is right. terrible enough or when it happens to them. Well, why is it wrong? Why is there a problem with it? The only reason there could be a problem with it is if there is an absolute right and wrong. And who would get to determine that? It cannot be man. If it's man, then it would be culturally relative. It'd be relative based on the time. It would be relative based on uh, the the nation and what they believe and their laws. And the it, it's not the pro the the only reason people would have a problem with something is if they had a conscience and that conscience was reacting to the law that was written on their hearts. And that was written all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy. And uh, Jeremiah reiterates that uh, concerning the new covenant in chapter 31. And Paul quotes it in Hebrews and talks about it in Romans, where I just uh, 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 read it. Okay. <clears throat> All through the Bible, God talks about how that he wrote the law in our hearts so that we would know that there is a problem with something. We would have issue. Now, we might talk ourselves into being okay with certain levels of sin. That's human nature. Right. But why would we be repulsed at any level of sin unless there is, like you said, a higher law rather than the law of man? And these are, you know, as the founders put it, we have inalienable rights, rights given to us by God. The purpose of the government wasn't to give us our rights. It was to protect those rights. And one of those rights is the right to life. And God is the giver of life and the protector of life. And why is it that people abhor murder? Why is it? Okay, the, the reason is because we have a conscience. And I believe that is just a testimony uh, and a proof that there is a God, that God is real. Otherwise, I don't see how we could logically object to the breaking of any laws. Right. So... In a, a little bit more of a, I, I, I just trying to trying to bring up something that was, it was practical or, or relational for a Christian earlier, and I went to the the idea of it being the most practical or relational um, mm -hmm. argument that you can bring down an atheist argument with is is killing their children and eating them. <laughs> Sure. Obviously, most Christians aren't going to end up in that. Hopefully, they're not going to end up in that kind of a depraved mindset Probably where that not. becomes helpful to them. 
but there are there's plenty of of other examples and i was just thinking of one would be a couple that you had mentioned here tonight which are uh, for instance churches that are accepting homosexuality in the church or women mm-hmm. pastors or things like that mm-hmm. and so here you have a situation where 100 years ago um to be uh, homosexual in the United States was not widely accepted as as okay. That was how many years it ago? Was something a hundred years ago. I said even fifty years ago, it wasn't sure. as widely accepted. Oh yeah, no way. But I mean, you were ago, the, who would the, even the whole idea of homosexuals. You know, <laughs> right. no one's the ever whole idea seen of... one. It was like a unicorn. Like uh, they might exist, but I've never seen one. Yeah, so the the idea of them coming out of the closet, so to speak, uh-huh. was because it was so much of a culturally unacceptable thing to do uh-huh. that nobody was going to acknowledge and just come out and say, oh, yeah, I'm a flaming homosexual and I want to wear yep. rainbow colors and, you know, yep. this is going to be my lifestyle. Yep. They would let's, hide it in the closet because... Put on some <laughs> right. feathers. They weren't proud of it because it was not socially acceptable and they would have been sure. scoffed at. Oh, yeah. Now we have a society that has flipped on that. And yeah. it said, oh, well, these, this is a human right and you mm-hmm. are evil if you if you yep. oppress this and if you mm-hmm. don't if you don't support this. And so the church has been faced with this scenario. Well, I don't know that the church would have been faced with the scenario if if the legal system in the United States would have stuck by. Well, we would have been we would have confronted it somewhat, but not nearly to the point that we are now where the Supreme Court has actually ruled that gay marriage is is legal. And so churches now have to perform. Yeah. So now churches can perform marriage ceremonies for gay people and not only can, but may be um, compelled to do so by the law because that is their right. And so here's a situation where a lot of Christians have found themselves in this awkward position of, all right, so we're going to have a board meeting at church now and decide, are we going to accept somebody as a gay pastor in the church? Mm -hmm. And we all vote on it. And so based off of popular opinion in the church, which people are taking their opinion based off of societal convention, society has Mm -hmm. voted. Society has said, all right, we think that as a society that the majority believes that this is normal and it's okay and this is going to be the new normal and so churches are now borrowing from society as the teacher of right and wrong and and going against the bible to the point that they're ordaining homosexuals as pastors they're they're allowing them in to have ceremony wedding ceremonies in the church and some christians during this time have said oh as christians you should just keep quiet and let you know live and let live kind of an idea where you know they're not christians let them do what they want to do who am i to judge and yeah exactly we can't always be the the oppressors here as christians well that's fine until you realize that all of a sudden as soon as we pass laws and christians just sit back and sit on our hands and say all right we're not going to do anything and we pass laws stating that this is the law of the land there is a large majority of not only uh, agnostics or atheists or humanists that that view uh, us they view me myself i as the highest power there is no god you not only have them borrowing from this but you have christians borrowing from this philosophy accepting this as saying okay this is what everybody else thinks okay is okay so if i'm going to be a nice person i need to accept this as okay and um galatians um 
I made a post on Facebook this this week, and I, I mentioned this concept. But Galatians chapter three, verse uh, twenty four says, "Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith." Mm-hmm. So here we have a situation where the Bible is telling us that the law is a good teacher of morals. It's a good it's a good schoolmaster. It's a good um, it's a good teacher of right versus wrong. But then when you when you put into place laws in society where you have societal convention that sits down in a court and says, all right, we're going to have a vote on this and we're going to decide what we as a society want to accept and don't want to accept. And then that becomes the moral law of the land. That becomes right. And then churches decide that we are in the in the spirit of love and inclusivity and peacefulness and, you know, all the other (laughs) wonderful flowery words that get preached from the pulpit, we're going to burn the Bible and Mm -hmm. go ahead and take up the, the Supreme court of the United States is the ultimate authority to say, this is the law of the land. And so now we as a church are going to support this. And so we've taken morals from society and we've, pushed God off the, off the throne and said, this now is what mm-hmm. determines right and wrong. The same thing with plenty of other situations in life where society around us says, okay, well, um, there's some things that are still morally reprehensible, re- re- reprehensible, like maybe um, incest or rape. Okay. We can all agree that rape and incest is bad, but fornication, ah, it's not such a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you have sex before marriage, mess around a little bit. Everybody does it. There's nothing wrong with it. Well, is that what the Bible says? No, the Bible says it's all wrong. The Bible says homosexuality is wrong. It says sex outside of marriage is wrong. And so as soon as we stray to say, all right, we're going to follow society as our lawgiver, as our mm-hmm. as our uh, determina- determination of what is right and wrong, we have rejected God. We completely and totally rejected God. And there's plenty of Christians that have done this. I believe mm-hmm. many of us um, un- unconsciously reject God when we choose to be determined right and wrong for ourselves. Go ahead. Well, it's funny because what you're saying, there's a great verse about, and this is found in 2 Corinthians 6, 17. It says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And what you're talking about is when the church adopts societal norms, which let's face it, society is on a, it's on a grease pole to hell. Okay. It only gets worse. Society does not come up with new ways to be more holy and righteous and godly. That's not what happens. And what God is saying is that I'm going to pull up the scripture reference for the grease pole to hell there. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's somewhere on the back. So God tells us that we are supposed I got to come it. it's, out from the world. It's Matthew. It's Matthew seven. It's Matthew seven thirteen Give is it where it, where it talks about the um, the grease pulled to hell. Okay. Um, it was almost verbatim. So it says, "Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in there thereat." There you so, go. Yeah, society is on a grease pole to hell. That, that should we should that should be our promo clip for the Bible. I'm putting here. that on a T-shirt. Okay. So okay. the the idea is that 
the so many churches, so many pastors, so many Christians are doing the exact opposite of what the Bible says. God says to come out from the world, leave the world behind. It should be separate. And we are supposed to be strange. We are supposed to be peculiar. We are supposed to be different. We are supposed to be noticeably different in so many areas. And what churches are really trying to do nowadays is they are trying to go along with the world and they are trying to bring in and adopt as much of the world, and let's face it, in some cases, as much sin as possible without, okay, um, being, uh, um, they want to bring in as much, as the, much of the world and as much sin in the world as they can and still call themselves a Christian. To be honest, Caleb, I would I would wholly support a lot of churches in America just having a book burning right out in the parking lot some Sunday evening where everyone just throws their Bible in a pile and they just light them on fire because they're not reading the things anyhow. You know, it's so different the way God wants us to live nowadays. And and God said, if you if you want to know what you're if what you're doing is right or wrong in the sight of God, it's easy. Is everyone doing it? Yeah. Well, you're probably wrong. That's it. Okay. Is the world doing it? Yeah. Well, you're almost definitely wrong. Okay. It's that simple. If we look like the world and our actions look like the world and we sound like the world and we're doing everything like the world, then why, why do we even go to church? I mean, really, it, are, is the food at the potlucks that good? Is the coffee and the donuts in the morning that tasty? If we're not going right. to do what the book says, like what I'm joining another group. It's a waste of my time. So, hey, um, we are past, past our hour. The hour. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. You, I mean, we, I, I figure we can well, keep going, but I've made enough inflammatory statements, you know, <laughs> for one night. So I'm happy to stop it here. Well, I was thinking um, it would be good to reference uh, a previous episode for those of you that are new to the podcast and are listening. We did an episode on um, what to do when you know your pastor is dead wrong. And I thought oh, this yeah. would be a, a good, a good, um, we could get into this topic again tonight, but rather than getting into it, just if you're if you're curious about this, we've mentioned the idea of Christian leaders rejecting God um, and putting putting God's morals and God's idea of right and wrong to the side and choosing to do what's right in their own eyes or what's right in the in in the in the current political situation or the current society that we're in. And this is actually extremely problematic. Um, I, I I wouldn't say that that someone like this is um, I, I would say you should always confront a situation like this head on. If you have a pastor that's willing to set aside truth, if you have, if you're in a church where, where you know that there are things that have been voted on and accepted in the church that go against the Bible, clearly where they've chosen to go with society in, in, in plain opposition to God, uh, that's not a, it's not a healthy place to grow. It's not a healthy place to be unless you can confront these situations and work through them and, and come back into submission to God. It doesn't mean that you're, you have to agree with your pastor on everything, but there's certainly a problem with, with being in a situation where you have Christian leaders that are rejecting God. Um, and I was going to pull I'm up a adding, verse on that. I'm putting that video in the comments. Okay. Oh yeah, good. So if you see a link in the comments, just click on that. That's the video that we put together, which is uh, we entitled, What Do You Do If You Know Your Pastor Is Dead Wrong? Caleb, my beard back in those days was almost 
the same length as it is today. That's how long ago that was. As a matter of fact, that one was... Da, 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 da. No, that can't be... Yeah, that one was back in May of 2020. Uh, that's back when we still had some freedoms in this country and everything. <laughs> the federal government didn't force the closure of all my favorite businesses. So if you want, you can you can get on and follow that. And, and if you go to our Facebook page and you you look up the videos, you can find every single one we've ever done on our Facebook page. And that's, um, or you go to Facebook and you look up uh, at Bible Thumper 1611 or hashtag Bible Thumper 1611. And you can also find all of our previous episodes on Spotify, on Google Play. So be sure to go there and listen to them and share them around and make some other Christians mad. That's really what we're trying to do. We want to get some Christians riled up we want to get some Christians so mad at us that they say, you know what? I'm going to read the Bible for myself and prove Patrick and Caleb wrong. That would just make my day. So so I read this recently, actually, in our mm -hmm. church. And I'm just going to go ahead and read this. And, of course, I know we're about to close out here. And no, no, no go for it. Lengthy, I'm going to start but... playing uh, Tetris on my phone. So just have <laughs> at it as long as you want. Yeah. I'm going to look up Bitcoin First Corinthians... and see what that is. First Corinthians chapter three, it says, and I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it. Neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while I saith I am of Paul, or sorry, for while one saith I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave unto every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together, with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For another foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now if anyone build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he hath builded thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall not I'm sorry, if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Um, and it goes on from there. I'm not going to read the rest. I decided to stop halfway through First mm -hmm. Corinthians chapter 3. Um, so here we have Paul warning against people. Um, hey, hey, Simeon, um, there's a few, guys, a few guys that have commented on here, and I Sorry, I'm not good at getting these comments when they first come in. Kevin, I really liked your your comment. You said we must always be correcting our thinking in light of God's word and not correcting God's word in light of our thinking. That was uh, really good. Well put. Um, so here we had a, uh, a, a passage where Paul is warning people against following Paul. He's saying, people, do not follow me. Don't follow mm -hmm. Paulus. Don't follow Paul. 
follow Jesus. We're just the messenger. And he goes on to say that, that his words are going to be tried. And if they're not built on Jesus, that his words are going to burn up. And he says that there's going to be people that don't build upon the word of God. They're going to build mm-hmm. upon their own premise, their own, their own foundation. And that their, that their work is going to be burned up. And it says, but they themselves shall be saved. So just realize when you're dealing with a false teacher, when you're dealing with somebody that's peddling their own opinion, you can still accept them as a Christian. You don't have to say you're of the devil. You don't have to be harsh with them. You realize they are going to stand before God and give an account for what they did, but they themselves shall be saved. And it says that here in first Corinthians that you can be a bad teacher. You're going to, you're, you're going to bear responsibility before God. It doesn't mean that your pastor isn't a Christian. It doesn't mean that he's not going to heaven. It just means he's a terrible teacher and that the work that he's building, which you're part of is Mm -hmm. going to burn up when it's tried by fire. And so don't be a part of that work. Don't be a part of a church that's teaching false uh, truths. And um, if you are, be willing to confront it and say, hey, this is what the Bible says. Just because everybody else says it's cool to, to, to commit fornication, why do we have to accept that as a church? Just because everybody else says it's cool to you know, accept gay marriage and we can have a gay pastor, we don't have to accept that as a church. We can say no. We can say this is what God says, and I don't care what society says, we're not going there. And if you're in a church that is going with society, find a different church. You know, if you can't straighten the church out, find a different church, but don't be a part of a church that is going to burn up. The Bible, the Bible says that anybody's work, anybody's church that's built not upon the foundation of Jesus Christ is going to burn up. And so I don't believe you can have both. You either have Jesus and you have truth and you have a moral law that is absolutely given by God, or you have somebody's opinion. And as soon as you stray one step outside of God's will being, God's word being the ultimate authority, then you've got nothing. It's going to burn mm-hmm. up. And the Bible says it. It's very clear here. So I would I would just say, don't don't take a subject like this and just be like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, it'd be nice to be kind of hard line like these guys. But, you know, I'm just kind of more gentle and soft. And my church is a little bit more, uh, you know, accepting of people. I don't ever want to become a radical like Patrick. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this is what the Bible says about it. So anyways. Mm-hmm. All right, Caleb, well put. I'm going to say thank you, everybody, for watching, and we'll see you next week. We have no idea what we're going to be talking about, but uh, if you guys want to get on our Facebook page and leave us a suggestion, please do that, and we will put it on the list. And I was thinking atheism atheism would be a great one to follow this up with since we were kind of headed that direction. Atheism, it would also be good to get on evolution since we're Mm -hmm. kind of down this i mean we could have we could have delved off into either one tonight we didn't but yeah i was really i was itching to so anyway a couple of thoughts all right have a good week everyone we'll talk to you next sunday 7 p.m mountain time 8 p.m central please uh get on uh spotify and follow our uh, podcast there and listen to these and share them around. Let's get uh, some more people uh, reading their Bible, or at least let's try to get some more people mad at Patrick and Caleb. Have a great week. Good night.